0: Good morning. My name's Wilson. It's, good morning. It's great to be with you guys. Um, if you've got a Bible with you, turn to the Book of Hebrews. It's close to the end of uh, the end of your Bibles. We have been in uh, this series in the Book of Hebrews basically for the whole summer. We're just kind of skating over the top of it, covering the whole book over the course of just a few short weeks. And there's a lot of detail in this book, um, but we're kind of just hitting the high points and. Uh, For this week and last week, we've been looking at this image that's pretty central to the whole book of Hebrews. So if you just read Hebrews straight through, um, there's about five chapters that are dedicated really to this one image of Jesus. And that's the image of him as the great high priest, uh, which we talked about last week. Last week, we, we learned that Jesus as a priest is not like uh, the priests that you read about in the Old Testament, uh, who are always just mortal men who oversaw this system of animal sacrifice. Um, there was always one great high priest, and he could go into the Holy of Holies, the, pl- the closest place of God's presence, but only once a year, and he brought a sacrifice for his sin and for all the people's sin together. Jesus is a different kind of priest altogether. We saw last week that he is eternal. Uh, we saw that he is like, a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls. He's always behind the curtain in that closest place of God's presence. We saw really the greatness of Jesus, our great high priest. That was last week. This week, we take a different angle on Jesus as the priest. What we see this week is that uh, there's this major twist in the story of the Bible that no one saw coming. And that's that the, the great high priest actually offers himself on the altar as the final sacrifice. The great high priest himself is the victim. That's what we're looking at this week. And this is why this is important. Because if you just think about Jesus and his greatness, that he's perfect and and all-sufficient, then there's still this question about God's love, I think. Jesus becomes kind of this, he can be this awe inspiring figure, this superhero level kind of figure, but how do I know that he cares for me? Like, how do I know that God would really want me to draw near? I had a friend once who put it so perfectly. Um, He said, I feel like uh, I'm one clover in a field of clover. Uh, and how do I know that God really gives thought for for me? And the idea of Jesus as our sacrifice speaks to all of those questions. And it answers most fully um, and, in f- and in full color the question of God's love. So last week we pondered the greatness of Jesus our priest. This week we pondered the sacrifice of Jesus our priest and what that means for us, how that means we must respond. So this is what we'll see today, that our great high priest has cleansed us in the blood of his sacrifice. And that enables us to draw near and to keep going in faith. So that's our movement today. Two points. Uh, Jesus has cleansed us. Let's draw near. The first leads to the second, and the second depends entirely on the first. Uh, okay, so first, we have to see that Jesus, our great High Priest, has cleansed us by the blood of His sacrifice. Now, uh, the the blood of His the blood of sacrifice that is not a nice way to talk, right? Uh, that is not a way that we are used to talking that can cause squirming and discomfort, right? Uh, but the the Bible talks about blood sacrifice. All the time. It is, it is baked into the story of the Bible. And if you take that idea out, then you take out a lot of the heart of the New Testament. And you take out a lot of the heart of what's going on in the Bible. So let's just take this apart a little bit. Um, first of all, when we talk about sacrifice, what what do we mean? Um, just think about the way we use the word sacrifice. So a couple of weeks ago, my alma mater. Mississippi State uh, won the College World Series in baseball. And it was extremely exciting. Um, Anytime you lose your voice watching TV, you know, that's uh, something really exciting must have happened because they can't hear you through the, you know. Um, And I did, it was was great. And the teams we were playing, like several of them kept uh, using a sacrifice bunt, if you know what that is. And it was very effective and irritating. So a sacrifice bunt is when the the batter gets up and doesn't take a risk trying to hit the ball. They just kind of dink the ball down the line a little bit, and they always get out. Uh, But the point is for the base runner to be able to move forward. It's a sacrifice bunt. Uh, We also use the word sacrifice a lot of times to talk about a soldier giving the ultimate sacrifice, making the ultimate sacrifice, which means what? That the soldier actually gave up their life in battle for the sake of their country or for the sake of their fellow soldiers on the field. A couple things are going on when we talk about sacrifice then in this way. One, something of value is being given up in a sacrifice. But second, it's for the purpose of a greater good. So in a sacrifice, something of value, of real value is given up, but it's for the purpose of a greater good. And the bigger the thing of value that's given up, the, the greater the good, therefore, must be right to make it worth it. So that's how sacrifice worked in the Old Testament. That, that pretty much rings true. Um, think about our, our reading from Leviticus uh, that Martin read for us just a second ago. So the very first verses of Leviticus, we learn that when a person makes a sacrifice in this Old Testament system, um, these are the instructions they're given. Offer a male without blemish of like a bull or a goat or a calf, uh, male without blemish, And the person shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, the place where you meet with the Lord, that he may be acceptable before the Lord. So something of value, a bull, a goat, without blemish, this would have been a valuable thing in that day, is given up for the greater good of being able to be in God's presence again and to be acceptable before him. Something in the Old Testament idea of sacrifice is given up that enables us to draw near. So what do we learn here? We learn the tough truth that there is, there is a barrier for human beings. There's a barrier for us when it comes to drawing near to God. Right? That, that really when it comes down to it, we, we aren't acceptable to the Lord just the way we are, as we might like to say. But something has to happen before we are. Now the good news is, that God has always provided the way for that to happen, right? But the tough truth before you get there is that something has to happen before the drawing near to God can occur. And here was the problem in the Old Testament. It was the same one that we saw last week. Is that the ball never really moved forward, right? Like, there's this system of sacrifices of, of an animal spilling its blood so you can, so you can just draw near like, like we just heard, but that never keeps the door to God's presence open. It, it never totally clears the way. The curtain to the Holy of Holies doesn't go away once an animal is sacrificed. It's there all the time as a reminder. Every time that there's a sacrifice, that sin still does remain. Even though there's this temporary access to his presence that's been opened up the old testament sacrifices provided this outward kind of ritual cleansing that allowed this momentary access to some level of god's presence and that was kind of the cap that's what it could do but something fundamental in us in the human person remains out of joint that an animal sacrifice would not ever would not ever take care of and would not ever address now, fast forward, and imagine, um, imagine that you are one of the very first Christians, like just a few years after Jesus has walked the earth, right? Um, and you, are tr- you know that Jesus just died a grisly death and came back from the dead. And you and some of your friends have decided that this is true and that you're going to put your trust in this Jesus character, and you're going to follow after him. And you're trying to figure out what, what did this death that he went through really mean? And remember, if you're one of the very first Christians, there is no New Testament. So you go to church, and there's no gospel reading in the middle of the room like we have, and there's no New Testament reading. There's just like an Old Testament reading and then an Old Testament reading. <laughs> and so that's what you have to figure out and to understand what is going on with the death of Jesus. Why did he die on a cross like that? What was happening? And you would read a passage like we read earlier in Leviticus, and all of a sudden you read it in a very different light. You would read that someone brings an offering, a male without blemish, and that this offering is given in order for someone else to be able to have access to God. And you realize that what happened on the cross a couple of years ago was a sacrifice. So look at Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse 12 again. Let's read this again. This is exactly what happened. Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. So something new has happened. For the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh. There's that out for outward ritual purification that's happening. If, if that happens, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? In the Old Testament, a sacrifice is made. That was essentially physical outward ritual. It was It was repeated very often, very limited in the scope of what it can do. But Jesus' sacrifice is as unlimited in scope as God himself is unlimited in scope. There is no place that his sacrifice cannot cover. The breadth of it can cover all of your sin and all of your guilt and all of your shame. This sacrifice in no way deals with surface issues it was so powerful that it, it plumbs to the very deepest core of you and brings cleansing and healing to that place. The offense of the gospel comes in admitting that there is that deep sort of cleansing that's needed and that it was something like, like the blood of Jesus himself that does the cleansing. But the offense, when accepted, when admitted, becomes good news very fast because it means that there is healing and there is cleansing that reaches a deep place in you. So what, it, what is that thing that you are most ashamed of? Maybe it's something you have, you have done. It's some movie that when things get quiet that you, that you kind of internally watch again and again, a scene you replay. Maybe it's something you have done or has been done to you or something something about who you are that you are just ashamed of, that you do not like. What is that thing? Jesus' sacrifice goes to that thing, and he sprinkles his own blood there in that place. There is nothing more intimate, more powerful than that that cleanses you. That paves the way for you into God's presence. Hebrews 10, 17, which we read, said, this is God speaking, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. What more assurance could we need? When God says something, it's true. It's done. He remembers them no more. And listen, if this is something that you know but, like, your faith is wavering and it is just hard to feel this sink down to any sort of depth, like, that's okay. You cannot, you can't drum up stronger faith. Stronger faith comes by looking at the object of faith, by looking at Jesus. The more you turn to him, the more you turn to him and, and ask to receive this, the more you meditate on this, the more that faith will come. The more you turn your face away and, and don't look at him, the more faith will leak. So if you've gotten in the habit of, of turning your face away from him, today's the day. Today's the day to draw near and to look at him again. That's what Hebrews says all throughout it. While it's still called today, come on. Come close, draw near. And that brings us to the place where we've got to respond. The second thing, we've seen that, that our great high is has cleansed us by the blood of his sacrifice. But that enables us, this is very important, that enables us to draw near. And in drawing near, we find what we need to keep going in faith. So turn to chapter 10 and look at, look at verse 19 again. I just want to read these, these couple of verses It says, therefore, and this is like the big therefore that's in the book of Hebrews. It's this hinge point. Everything that's come before has led up to here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near. We've been saying this all throughout, the, all throughout the series, but the book of Hebrews was written, was given to a group of Christians who just wanted to give up. They're experiencing persecution. They lived in Jerusalem. Uh, they, they used to worship at the temple. The temple is still going strong, right? Uh, there were Jews who put their trust in the Messiah, in Christ, and it would just be easier to turn back. All their friends, their family were were still following the old way of things, and it would just be easy to go back to that. That was an accepted, an accepted religion in Rome. It would just be easier. And Hebrews was written to encourage them, no, don't go back. The way has been opened up to the Messiah to draw near permanently. And like, we too can feel ourselves start to drift off, right? Slowly but surely, for whatever reason. For whatever reason, we can kind of act like sheep who slowly just sort of, wander away, little bit by little bit. And we can become sort of lulled into a spiritual dullness. And I'm speaking from experience here. And there comes a point where, like, we just don't want to think about these things anymore. We kind of just want to go about life and, like, put this on the back burner and to the point where it, where it kind of just lives on the back burner in our lives. If, if that is where you are right now or if that's where you've, where you've ever been, Like, God is not taken aback by that. He's the one that put the book of Hebrews here. Like, he knew these people were struggling in that day. And he knows that you are going to be struggling one day as well. He's, like, he's been here way before you got here. He's been sitting in the room by the time you walk into it. He's been waiting for you. This is the God who concocted a rescue plan, right, that involved him becoming a human being and dying a death by crucifixion in order to rescue the world. So he is not afraid of your doubt. He's not surprised by it. Look to the links he's gone to. Like, look at, look at this God, what he's like. Like, wouldn't he be like a father that sees his wayward son far off and goes running to him? That's what he's like. So instead of slowly drifting away and watching your heart get unyielding, and calloused and hardened, or instead of just turning to something that's, that's easier, instead of doing that, God says, now is the moment to draw near again and to find what you need to keep going in your faith. Look and remember all I've done. Look and see what I'm like. Look at Jesus. The phrase draw near, uh, like loosely translated, just means come to church. All right, it's like a. It's very simple. It's very simple. It's just like a, just physically show up. This is the place that is charged with God's presence. Come to church. Even if your faith is like dragging, just, just show up. Let your brothers and sisters believe for you if, if need be. There are times in your life where that's going to be true. And look how you come. Chapter 10, verse 22 says, Let us draw near in this way with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And if you read that and think, I need to come like perfect to church, then you're reading it the exact wrong way, right? It's the exact opposite, actually. All of that stuff is given by Jesus. Like the way that you, you don't give yourself a true heart. You don't give yourself full assurance of faith. Faith is a gift, You don't sprinkle your heart clean from medieval conscience. Jesus has done that. Like washing your body with pure water doesn't mean please shower before coming. It's talking about baptism. That's a gift, right, to be a part of God's people. None of this stuff is drummed up by you. It's all given by Jesus. It's all a gift. He's paved the way for you to come into his presence. He's done it. If we look to him and we turn to him, what we're talking about is not then, then the sacrifice will, will, will be done. Like that's already been done. What, what we're talking about here is, is our experience of what's true. If we turn to him, if we draw near to him, then we'll start to experience more and more deeply in our lives what has already been given to us. And so we look at Jesus. And what does that mean? Like I grew up with the phrase, look at Jesus. Like what, what does that what does that mean exactly? It means things like meditate on the kind of things that we've been reading in Hebrews. Like get in with this dense book and and learn what what some of these images and things are talking about. And reflect on the fact that there used to be this system where animals could be slain and like the ashes sprinkled and all this kind of stuff so that a person could, you know physically be cleansed and kind of come into the presence. And then think about how chapter nine said, if that was true, how much more will the blood of Jesus release us from an evil conscience to be able to serve the living God? Meditate on stuff like that. Like turn your soul and your mind into prayer to him, and you'll experience the effects of what he's done that deep sort of cleansing that will just work further and further into your inner person and transform you from the inside out. We're talking about how Jesus' sacrifice enables this, enables us to draw near and to keep going in faith, and that we can really experience the forgiveness that we've got and the cleansing that we've got. But on top of this, this, it helps us to break ties with the sort of things that we have been giving our hearts to instead of Jesus. So verse 23, right, still talking about drawing near in worship, but it says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. All right, still talking about drawing near. How's we draw near, hold fast to the confession of, of our hope. Like when it talks about our, our hearts being sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, that's the language of like being cleansed from, from all the dirt that's stuck to us from, from clinging to a different God. This is such good news. Because fake gods trap us and cause misery. So like big, big God of our day, the God of consumerism, God of selfishness, right? A God that has no time for grace. Look at this person. See how beautiful and successful they are? What is wrong with you, right? This comparison game. The God of consumerism, right, tells you to constantly just look at yourself more and more. Following that God leads to destruction like the pleasures get lesser and lesser and cost more and more of our time and money, right? Like following after selfishness is a very lonely place to be. Like Who would hold fast to a God like that? Instead, hold fast to this kind of God. To quote one theologian, said, Jesus' blood shows the, sh- the suffering love of God. How different is a God like this? It suggests there's no sorrow God has not known, no grief he's not borne, no price he was unwilling to pay in order to reconcile the world to himself in Christ. That's the God that we're told to draw near to. That's the God we're told to hold fast onto because that's a God that, that hope comes from and more and more life, not less and less, not diminishment, not diminishment, but Abundance. And then finally, last thing, we draw near to God. We find what we need to keep going in faith together. So verse 24, let us let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's because you can't do this alone. If you're by yourself, you'll drift. Your faith will start to leak out. Like you can't live the life of of Jesus alone. Because his life was barreling toward sacrifice the whole time. Stir up one another to love and good works. That's the language of self-offering, of sacrifice, of love. And it's a beautiful thing to get to do together. I get to see you giving up yourself in some way, and I want to I want to be like that. I wanna be around you. You maybe see me doing it in some different way that you wouldn't think of and and you want to imitate that. Like we do this together, we stir up one another and it only happens if we come together. We just had to spend a year of COVID like being forced to basically neglect meeting together like it just said in this passage in, in some way or another, right? At the very least, even in kind of the easier parts, we'd, we were really restricted in how we could meet together. And that was a killer for faith. It was so hard on our spiritual lives, like kind of across the board. And you can't try to regain a hold of your faith by yourself. You can't do it alone. So draw near, but not mainly in the privacy of your own thoughts and feelings, which can fluctuate so much, but draw near together with each other physically to God's presence. Draw near to God. He paved the way with his own blood. Look at that, how much value that was. God placed that incredible value on, this is amazing, the greater good of you getting to be with him, of him getting to be with his children near. It was of great value to him. It was worth it. So draw near. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.